Hey everyone, it's Kimberly Austin. Welcome to another episode of Rock Book Show. We're very pleased to welcome this episode's guest, Karen Rose, author of the excellent new book, Why Patti Smith Matters. If you're a fan of Patti Smith's music, poetry, books, or even her amazing Instagram account, this book is for you. You may be familiar with Karen's stories and essays for Pitchfork, Salon, Billboard, The Guardian, and others, but she's not just a critic and historian of all things Patti Smith. She's also a passionate fan with countless Patti shows under her belt. And here's Karen. Well, I would like to welcome back to Rock Book Show after a decade-long hiatus, Karen Rose, who we always enjoyed having on the show, and she is finally here with us again in podcast form. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hello. I'm so excited to be on the new the new and improved Rock Book Show. Well, you are here with your new book, Why Patty Smith Matters. And first, I want to congratulate you on being the first female author to really take on this topic. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I I am shocked that it was me, but maybe not that surprising in the end. Um, years and years ago, there was somebody who read my my blog back in the blogging days who said read something about Patty and said, well, when you write your book about her, you know, you'll cover that. And I was like, ha, 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 I'm not going to write a book about Patty Smith. What are you talking about? And here, here we are. I have written one. And I want to go to Patty's early years for a minute. And um, she said, no one expected me and everything was available to me. Yeah. Like when she, that's the quote, when she got to New York, like no one was waiting for me, but everything was like the, the, the world was waiting for her to just show up and get to work, you know, and she went to New York. She went to New York because there wasn't any work for her in South Jersey, just like in terms of making money. But, you know, she she knew she could get there. And and, you know, one of the many things I am envious of is she was there in a time where you could work part time in a bookstore and and still live in New York City and have time to do your art. But that was really part of it. They could experiment. They could perform in front of their friends once they got to CBs and really had like this home base. Um, Lenny Kay, I, I got to see his book signing a couple of weeks ago, and he said, that was our local. Right. We just got to experiment and, and play and be artists. And that, that really formed her, don't you think, as, as um, how she approached the work? So it's interesting because, you know, they started going, they started going to CBs because television, found, television found CBs, you know, they even, if you believe the stories, they helped build the, the stage that we later knew because there wasn't one really. And they, they were going there to hang out there because that's, there were, there were, where were they going? There was nowhere else to go. Max's was different. Um, Club 82 was around the corner, but glam was fading out. So everyone came over to CB's and it, it was a small scene, but they were they were hanging out there for like a year before the the nascent Patty Smith group got on stage and played there. Um, but I do I you know they were hanging out there because that's where everyone was and because they were supporting their friends and because it was fun. I mean, that was they, they and and she was doing so many different things 
Um, you know, she had this run of shows at Reno Sweeney's, which was a cabaret, like where she was like, you know, wearing a feather boa and, and still doing a version of what she ended up doing, but she didn't know. She didn't know what she wanted to do. She just kept doing things and you could do it. You could book yourself. You could have, a, you know, say, I'm going to do this uh, night of music and converse, music and poetry dedicated to Arthur Rimbaud and people are going to show up for it and, or they won't. And, but they did. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. We and, just kind of, yeah, which is kind of surprising because the commercial success was never important to her. But here comes Clive Davis with this seven album deal for Arista. It's not that it's it's not that commercial success wasn't important to her. Okay. Because she didn't she she says this several times. Like I, you know, she says this about um she talks about this and because the night, like when people you know, there was definitely like, oh, she's sold out now. Is there? She's got a song on the charts. And she was like, punk rock is freedom and I'll sing any song I fucking want. Um, you know, she signed with Clive and she signed to a seven record deal. That's not somebody that doesn't want commercial success. Okay. But I think she what she what she wasn't going to do is change who she was and what she wanted to do to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And she was allowed that freedom. She had creative control over the album covers. Yep. And of the music and, you know, and, and there were other, you know, there were a lot of people sort of prowling around and I don't think anyone it would have would have said, oh, she's going to go with Arista. Like, because if you, if you just sort of look at it on the surface, you don't think it's a match, but they had a really great working relationship. And I'm, and I, you know, I'm sure that, um, and it's funny, there's a, there's a really, there was a, there was this like profile in the times around 1975 where they like interview like the marketing and sales people. And they talk about how, Patty and her manager are, are, you know, they're, she's, a, you can send her out. She is, she's interesting to talk to, you know, they want to work hard. Um, you know, she wanted to be six. I guess the thing is she wanted to be successful. Maybe the commercial is, is uh, commercial. Isn't the wrong word though, because she was pretty happy when, you know, when that, when, because the night charted, like, as I mean, Bruce even says that none of us were doing, did I think it was going to happen? None of us were doing that. I hadn't done that. So, you know, this, this was her, it was her job. It was always her job. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned Bruce. And so let's stay here for a minute. Well, and you got to speak with him. Tell us about that. It took me a year. Um, wow. Took me a year. And kept trying, you know, uh, you know, thanks to to his PR team who really went to bed, you know, they they very correct. They correctly said when I'm like, I, I'm doing this book, I want to talk to him, you know, and they were like, yes, there's nobody more qualified to interview Bruce Springsteen about pet, working with Patty Smith. I was like, thank you. Um, but just, you know, he wasn't doing, you know, if he's not doing press and it's it's why is it important? What is it about? 
you know, not every, it's, it's hard to get time with him. Yeah. Um, but they kept trying. And then one day the email comes in and says, can you talk to Bruce tomorrow is two o'clock. Okay. Yes. Two o'clock is fine. My calendar's open. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> is, is 20 minutes good. And I'm like, I used 18. Um, and it was, um, you know, and it was also very specific. Like I want to take, I want to talk to you about these specific encounters with Patty um, because the night story, you know, it's, it's been covered, but what I wanted to know was how did it feel the first time he heard it on the radio? Right. You know, did he hear a car driving by and go, Oh shit, I never should have given it like, Oh, um, because I know what Mr. Landau thinks about the fact that that song went. Bruce kept giving his songs away. Like he wasn't having a hit because he kept giving them away. Um, and, and you know, he he did that sort of, you know, self-deprecating. Well, you know, did I think it was going to be a top 10 hit? No, because none of us were doing that. Um, but it, it's interesting. Um, you know, he started touring. He was on tour for like a month before the song came out and then the song came out and then the song charted and suddenly it, it needed to be like, it, I was like, do you remember when you're like, Oh, I need to get the, I need my version of this to be in my set list. But if you listen to those early versions, you know, he, he's really clear that, you know, when he gave it to Patty, he didn't have a song. The song would not have gone on the record. It was the first thing they recorded and, you know, he, it, it didn't make the record. It wasn't part of the story he wanted to tell. Um, you know, he's really clear that if she had it, it would probably still be sitting in his archive somewhere. Um, but, you know, when the song that you helped write is now a hit on the radio, well, you want to take advantage of that. But he doesn't have the words quite worked out yet. So it's a lot of because of the night and it's 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 hilarious to listen to because he he again he hasn't worked out what his lyrics are yet but he it's his song and he, it's his music he needs to play it so it's just a really good chorus and the rest of the time and then he and then he figures it out but those early those first couple of ones are are questionable <laughs> <laughs> questionable at that. The dodgy versions of because of the night oh my god that's so funny um so we'll leave the 80s now and patty takes this nine-year hiatus um but never stops working and when no. she comes back and people are shouting oh we're so happy to have you back she's like i never left i never stopped working and, and you know that's i always knew that but there are one of the, the great things I got to work with um, while I was doing the research for the book was that the New York Public Library has some early journals, has some journals, or is not early journals. Um, and I, my understanding is that they bought them from one of Robert's later boyfriends. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they're of the, that, they're from like the early, the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and, and she's, she's working, she's writing, she's writing poetry, she's writing songs. Um, she's, she, like every mother of young children had to figure out how to retool her life in order to work. You know, she would get up in the morning and work. She couldn't stay up all night and, 
and, you know, type and smoke pot and do whatever. Um, you know, it, it, and this whole idea of unless the work is being made publicly available, it's not work. Yeah. No one tells, no one tells men that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no one, no one said that to Bob Dylan. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's not I'm making a face that you that nobody can see because we're podcasting. <laughs> we are making a face, though. Trust us. We're making a stink face. <laughs> but that's and that's the thing with her. It's never there's never um, when she's out of the public eye, let's say it's not a reinvention that's coming. It's growth. No, it's it's you know, she she talks and I write about this. You know, she talks about how she didn't like who she was becoming as the result of the fame and the attention and you know the the taking a step you know nobody nobody americans don't lisa robinson's quote is americans don't understand walking away from fame mm. mm-hmm. you know um and you know she came here she want you know they they wanted to start a family and that's what they did and they were parents and, you know, people may have been annoyed or, I don't know, affronted that, you know, Fred and Patty weren't like hanging out at the local clubs. No, they, no, that's not what they were here to do. Right. They, they, they wanted to focus on their family. They wanted to focus on the kids and they, they did. Well, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but neither do you have to now go, oh, well, this is this made her a better artist or this, um, you know, this period before they went away was great, but wow, look how she bloomed after you don't have to make that decision necessarily. It's all just this big arc of Patty's work story. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, she, she was able to, when she did come back, you know, they were always planning on coming back to public life because they had it. They were like, we're going to have to send the kids to college. This is, and this is how we make money. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they had, they had plans or they had at least talked about what that was going to look like. Um, you know, p- people just made such a big deal about it. And I I just remember, you know, as a fan being like, none of this makes sense. Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense to me what people are doing and interpreting. And it it probably never, it, it never, I mean, intellectually, I understand what people were doing, but it will never not strike me as dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Some things are just dumb and we should really just call it that. Um, yeah. Yes. And yeah, because again, we've got to see this beautiful evolution of this artist and she keeps performing. I mean, again, you don't have to say she's a better performer now than she was. She's. It's just Patty's growth and, and you get to be a part of it. And I know you love to see her live. Is that? Yeah. Yes. And it's, you know, it was even interesting to her, you know, she, she, I don't remember if this made the book or not, where she sort of thought that she would come back after having children and she would be this more 
uh, calm and evolved person. And she was exactly the same. She was like, I still want to go out there. And, you know, she's, I'm always telling people, go see her live. This go, go while you still can, because it, it still feels the same, at least to me. And her use of the, of the, of a live concert is, is still very similar except for the fact that she's like not having long conversations with the audience. Um, you know, she used to like always have a part where she like came out and she would answer questions and people would yell things and she would, and she was still even doing that a little bit into the nineties. Um, but, but the emotional dynamic and the presentation of her work and her, there, there are new songs, or at least you know, post ninety five songs that are that are just as as good or as powerful as anything from horses. So that's why it's, it's amazing. I love what you said too at the end of the book when you said that she taught us how to kick the doors in. And she continues to teach us how to live with integrity, to keep our name clean, to take chances, to keep the memories of our loved ones alive, to continue after they're gone, even when we think we cannot, and how to persevere through it all. And most importantly, she taught us to do the work and to just keep doing the work. And for me, of course, you know, all the elements of Patti Smith that we admire, but that one just really, really resonates with me. And I think it's such a critical and important part of her that she gave to all of us. Yeah. And it's very different, but she makes it really clear that it happens because you work. It's not just like, Oh, this magic fairy descended from the heavens and gave me this opportunity. She, she worked for it. She, she works, she gets up, she works, she writes, she's always working on something. Yeah. Um, you know, she started taking Polaroids because after Fred died, she, still felt the need to work, but she couldn't concentrate and she could take a picture and there she was, she would feel at least she had done something that day. Um, you know, she taught herself to play guitar again, like she, she, Fred had been teaching her to play guitar. So she had, had a repertoire of chords and, you know, and Lenny talks about this again. I don't remember if it's in the book or not about how, you know, after Fred died, she was, she would, sit and write songs and play the guitar, which is how Gone Again came together. So yes, this is a, us. This is me uh, violently agreeing with you. Oh, wonderful. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you agree with me, Karen. Um, and the Polaroids made me think of that, her Instagram account, which, which is just incredible. Oh, what an incredible gift to have every day. It's the most amazing thing that, that she just took to it and she got it and she loves it and she relishes doing it. And, you know, with her Substack, she gets on and she's like, I'd like to thank my new subscribers. I'd like to send a special thank you to my founding members. And I, I take my deadlines very seriously. And she, it works for her. It's a, she didn't, you know, she didn't grouse about it. She she just was like, oh, I get this. I get how this works and why, how it will be good for me. And and she she loved, you know, she's like, I read all of your comments. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's, you know, like there was one day where she like 
put a picture up there and she had a business card from a law and order SVU. It was, it was Vincent D'Onofrio's characters, his business card. And she said, so, and so I had made, I made a comment about like, I want to hear more about this business card. And so like the next day she was like, somebody mentioned the business card uh, from law and order SVU. So she talked about that. And it was just like this, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, it is. It's so cool. Well, it's been delightful as always. And as usual, I could stay here all day and talk with you. And I I loved the book. I hope everyone goes and picks it up. It is out now and it is called Why Patty Smith Matters. It is by the ultra fabulous Karen Rose. And Karen has other books too. Karen, do you want to um, plug the other books and any upcoming projects? So I have a rock and roll novel, which was my first book called B-Sides and Broken Hearts. You can still get that on um, Amazon. Um, and there are other anthologies that I've contributed to. Uh, Woman Walk the Line, also out from uh, University of Texas Press. And uh, a big anthology called Women Who Rock, which is profiles of female artists written by women, illustrated by women, ed- edited by women. It's a bright pink cover but it's a great book. <laughs> and anything coming up we should know about? Yes. And I'm doing a Midwest, I'm doing an event in New York on the 31st and I'm doing a bunch of events around the Midwest this summer and probably the West coast in the fall. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Karen is so fun to see in person. Um, it's always a good time. And the, and the um, women who are going to be with you on the book tour, and that's a credible list of who's who too. So yes. please, everyone go see that. And we'll put the um, information in the show notes as well. So everybody can easily find where to get tickets and come see you and buy the book. Thank you. Please buy the book. I want to write more books. (laughs) Yes, please do. And you know, you're always welcome here. So thank you so much, Karen. It was always good to see you. Always. I will always go on your show, Kimberly Austin. You were awesome. Thank you. And everyone go get Why Patty Smith Matters. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Rock Book Show. And special thanks to Karen Rose for taking the time to chat with me. Look for Why Patty Smith Matters with a really cool cover from University of Texas Press, wherever cool rock books are sold. If you enjoyed this one, we hope you'll subscribe to our show and tell your rock book loving friends. We're dropping new episodes every two weeks, and we've got a great slate of guests scheduled for future shows. And don't forget to follow us at Rock Book Show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for more chat about great rock books. Our theme music is by Dash Coombs. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>